from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. That's where you are listening live. You are watching live on Facebook.com backslash WakeUpCallDT, being carried and shared on Facebook.com backslash LiveNowDT, and of course on YouTube.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Very honored and privileged today as we continue our commissioners' discussions from around the country to have the SOCON conference covered today, the Southern Conference here with Jim Schaus, the commissioner of the conference, and I'm very honored to have him here on the broadcast. You know on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora that everybody's story matters, every conference matters, every player and coach that wants to have a voice out there, and whoever's connected to the sports world and beyond has a place here on the show. So Jim being able to be here today for the SOCON means the world to me because it means that we get to expand out to more schools, more institutions, more teams, more student athletes and coaches, more staff, and of course, we get to tell Jim's story. So with that being said, let's bring him in. Mr. Schaus, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Dan. How are you today? I'm doing very well. And and so bring me into the SOCON. Why become the commissioner here? What was it when you look back on it? Why did you feel that this was a good place to lead and that this job would challenge you? Well, I've been an athletic director for 20 years, uh, nine years at Wichita State and 11 at Ohio University, and I enjoyed being an athletic director. Um, And this opportunity came up um, to be a conference commissioner. Um, It kind of caught my eye for several reasons. One, uh, my father, Fred Schaus, who had coached West Virginia back in the 50s, also ended up coaching the Lakers and Purdue uh, in his career. Um, the, The West Virginia was in the Southern Conference uh, in the fifties. And so that, that goes back to Jerry West and hot rod Hundley and was in the 59 national championship game. Um, and so that meant a lot to me. It meant a lot to my father. I remember seeing those Southern conference trophies uh, when we lived in Los Angeles. And, and, uh, so that was very important, uh, to my father, uh, it's a great league. We're celebrating our 100th anniversary. 1921 is when our league founded. We have the oldest men's basketball tournament, postseason tournament in the country. Um, so a lot of heritage and tradition uh, have been to this area before. Our offices are in Spartanburg. Uh, we've got uh, basically all of our schools are in the southeast. So enjoy the area very much. Um, and so I just thought it would be a great change uh, to utilize some of my experience to be a commissioner, and I've absolutely loved it. You know, in this this decision coming uh, very recently here within the last couple of years, so, you know, coming from Wichita State as an AD and Ohio as an AD, to, to take on the Southern Conference that's so rich in the history of collegiate athletics, why was this the right time within the last couple of years to elevate yourself to such a position? You know, I don't, I just, I, I don't know if I have a great answer for that. I, I had really enjoyed being on the campuses, and, and I think there's some things about being a conference commissioner that are unique. Uh, the opportunity to deal with major NCAA legislation, really dealing with what happens in college athletics at probably a 40,000 foot level at times. 
And it's something that when you're an AD, you can only see sometimes six inches in front of yourself. And it's been interesting to me uh, to be able to be a part of discussions about major issues uh, in college athletics that I've not been able to do. Um, you get to work with 10 institutions in our case, uh, and that's fun. Um, that uh, it's not just one institution. You get to be a part of that. I travel to see games and uh, kind of uh, really involved in all aspects, academically, athletically, with our institution. So uh, a different perspective, uh, and I've really enjoyed it. You know, in, in having this, what have you learned in the last couple of years of taking over as a commissioner of a conference what has it taught you? I mean, obviously, a pandemic has, has been through a good portion of it. But, you know, overall, before we talk about kind of navigating through uh, unprecedented times of the pandemic, what have you learned about the life of a commissioner that you didn't know going into it? Like, how have you evolved as, as a human being and as a commissioner? Yeah, the jobs have some similarities, but there's quite a few differences. Uh, as an athletic director, you're uh, you really need a lot of different types of skills. Um, the job is often very external because you're raising money, uh, very heavy in personnel because you have a larger staff. Um, the commissioner's position is more administrative, more shared governance, meaning you're you're not making decisions on your own like you're used to as an AD. you got to check with a lot of different groups among your presidents, athletic directors, senior women administrators, and your faculty athletic representatives. Um, so that part is is, is different. Uh, smaller staff, uh, you know, a conference office really deals a lot with, for its members, uh, putting together regular seasons, your officiating, your television packages, which we worked in and, and have new television packages. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're dealing with your championships. So uh, people join a conference because they want to have conference championships. So that's what we put on 22 championships this past year. We're able to get through all that with the pandemic and have regular seasons despite uh, some cancellations. Um, so, yeah, I think that, you know, there is certainly differences. Um, and and yet I've really embraced that and, and enjoyed those those differences. You know, we, we look at the, the history of the Southern Conference speaking here with its commissioner, Jim Shouse, here on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. Uh, you know, looking at this, uh, you know, the Alabama, Alabama, you know, poly, Technic, Technical Institute of Auburn, Clemson, Georgia, the Georgia School of Technology, you know, Georgia Tech, uh, Kentucky, Maryland, Mississippi, A&M, which is now Mississippi State, North Carolina, North Carolina State, Tennessee, Virginia, Virginia Polytech Institute, which is now Virginia Tech, Washington and Lee. I mean, when you when you look through this history and what the Southern really was when, you know, there weren't many conferences and the country was only split up into a few different places what what do you think about now that, I mean, obviously the membership schools are different and times have evolved and changed, but do you feel the weight of that? Do you feel the history of that as the commissioner? Do you, do you feel, you know, like you said, celebrating 100 years from 1921 to 2021, uh, to, do, do you feel that? Because the Southern is really part of the fabric of what was like the origination of collegiate athletics. Uh, yes, I, I really appreciate and acknowledge our heritage. Uh, we're the third oldest conference under the same name under continuous membership. Uh, as you mentioned, you've got a lot of SEC and ACC schools uh, that have been uh, past members. 
Um, you know, there's great names like Arnold Palmer and Seth Curry, uh, you know, and just all kinds of, um, you know, I could go on and on with, with great teams and moments. Um, so, yeah, we, we've had that. And, and yet at the same time, we're celebrating our current 10 institutions that are very unique. Uh, we have two military institutions in VMI and in the Citadel, which is unique in addition to public and private schools. Um, so there, there's just a, a you know a, a really strong history athletically and academically with our league, and um, we've you know today's obviously composition is different than it was 30, 40, 50 years ago, uh, but I think our heritage is very very important to us. It's something that we're celebrating right now during our 100th anniversary. You know, and in this 100th anniversary, what has it consisted of? Speaking here with the commissioner of the SoCon. Uh, Jim Schaus here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. What has the hundred years been? You know, what what is what is the focus from 1921 to 2021? What are you really trying to do in the celebration of this? What does it entail? Well, we created a new logo, um, and so our hundredth anniversary logo that is really branding everything from the time period, which was basically last fall all the way through this upcoming December. Um, and so that's been everything. That's replaced our, our traditional logo for, for that time period of time. Um, you know, we have done uh, a lot of, 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 you know, we've done videos. We have a commercial. We'll do a long-form video. A lot of promotion at our events. Um, we've also uh, done some publicity and highlighted some of our great moments. We will also, before we're done, uh, we'll, we'll pick you know, uh, our all-time teams and, 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 you know, those types of things uh, to kind of bring recognition of, of our great heritage that we have. Um, you know, we've, uh, you know, a, a lot of gear and, and changes, logos uh, that are part of uh, championship uniforms, things like that. Uh, so really try to brand the conference and then talk about how special our conference has been. And, you know, we, we did hit the pandemic right right down the middle uh, with it, but uh, beginning this fall, we'll have a chance with, um, you know, really full audiences uh, to be able to participate and, and see those things. Yeah, you know, and, and seeing that kind of navigating through these unprecedented times, you know, leading right into that, how have you done that as a commissioner? And, and what can you say you've, you've learned about this? I mean, going through a pandemic that nobody was prepared for, uh, seeing the people affected, the families affected, the amount of people that have passed away. I mean, navigating through these unprecedented times amidst all of the, you know, health of it all and the wellness of it all and trying to make sure people are okay. You also have to oversee a conference and you have to answer questions that you never thought you'd have to answer and try to navigate through that. So how have you and what can you say about these unprecedented times? Well, I've learned that this is probably something that we don't want to have to ever go through again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, we really, we really had to stick together as a conference. That we really had to communicate. I think I was having weekly meetings with athletic directors instead of monthly, which is our traditional time frame. Um, you know, we we knew that there was going to be some challenges. We had to work with the NCA and identifying COVID protocols. So we had protocols for all of our student athletes and teams. Um, we anticipated that there would uh, need to be some changes in the fall when it really hit. And so we moved our, our fall sports, including football, to the spring. Um, so that was something very different. Um, we spent a lot of time dealing with testing 
you know, supporting testing for our championships with our officials. And then the, the, the schools obviously spend a lot of resources and time and working with COVID guidelines that were approved by the conference about how to be safe. Um, and, and it was a, it was a great challenge. It was frustrating uh, for sure. It's very costly, uh, a lot of time. Uh, we had a great compression of our sports in the spring because we moved fall on top of those. So I think the schools and, and my staff with championships really had a, a double dose at times. Um, but yet, after all of that, we still provided opportunities for student athletes to compete. We completed all of our regular seasons and championships and all of our sports were able to bring forth an automatic qualifier to the NCAA championships this year. And so those are, those are important goals for us. Um, and, you know, I, I, I certainly think that, you know, we learn to, to stay together and, and communicate and, and work through, um, which was oftentimes uh, decisions that were made week to week and day to day. Um, you know, there was no playbook for this. There was, there was nothing to go back and say, here's how you do all these things. And so it was just a lot of communication and, and working through a few issues and challenges certainly had our share of cancellations. So we spent a lot of time rescheduling in our conference office. Um, and we're, again, we're able to get through it. Um, and, and glad that we're, we're sitting here talking in June, uh, with all of our sports completed, um, and our spring meetings done uh, to to be able to look back on this year and say, you know, I'm amazed that we got it. We got this. We got this far. Uh, if you'd have told me last summer that we were able to accomplish all the things that we were able to do, I would have been very surprised. And so uh, we're really thankful and blessed that we're able to do that. And, and how difficult was that, you know, Jim, to to go through, you know, and and, and have to. I mean, scheduling has been somewhat of a nightmare. And, you know, things could change at the drop of a hat and, you know, and, and, and so many different pieces of collegiate athletics. I mean, every, every single fiber of everything was affected. So how, how did you handle that? You know, the fact that, you know, this game could get canceled, this game could get postponed, you know, this season's going to get moved to the spring. We're going to put this over here. We're going to try to make sure this doesn't compete with this following all these moving pieces you know, the, the etch-a-sketch of, of this past year and a half. What can you say about all that? Well, we really had to, again, communicate and work together with our membership, our schools, and we had to put together policies in place that, that was approved how we were going to handle that. Um, so, you know, we talked about, you know, with COVID situations that the conference uh, would follow up um, and ensure that we were following the policies. So we had you know, minimum number of, of athletes that had to be available for a given sport in order for them to realistically compete. Uh, we had to change some of our tie-breaking rules to go more towards uh, winning percentage and who plays the most games versus kind of a traditional just head-to-head -head decision because some school might pay 30 40% less in a given year. Um, so uh, there was you know, discussions, you know, uh, you know, is this team really able to play or not? And, and, and how do we work through that in a very short period of time and then communicate sometimes with, with ESPN on television had to be adjusted um, with our opponents uh, on a short term basis. And we had examples where teams were in a bus that were, you know, an hour out from playing and then positive test information came back and they weren't able to play. They turned right around and came back. So there was just things that, you know, that were, were, were challenging and frustrating, uh, but, uh, you know, we, we found a way to get through it. Um, and, you know, we adopted approaches, you know, with our schools 
each step of the way. I can't tell you there wasn't any bumpy roads in it because uh, there, there certainly were a few. Uh, but I think we, we, we worked together and, and got through it. Yeah, you know, and, and I commend you for that. And I commend, you know, the leaders all across this country for navigating and working through this. How do you become a, a better individual? You know, we talk about the commissioner's seat, but, you know, what kind of helped you get through it? Because staying mentally tough through all this has is, is been extremely important. And, you know, mental health and, and taking care of yourself and, and you know, staying positive, especially when people are like shut in their house and there's not a lot of answers to questions and whatnot. And how did you personally deal with that? You know, how did you deal with kind of all of the things that anybody in, in any walk of life had to navigate through, which was not being able to see your loved ones. If you see them, you can't see their smile. You got to do a lot of FaceTiming and Zoom calls. And I don't think anybody knew what Zoom was two years ago, but they do now. So, I mean, how did, how did you personally get through all this? Well, I think with any challenge in my life, my Christian faith in Christ uh, buoyed uh, any issue I think that I've ever had and not that it wasn't, I didn't have some tough nights, tough days. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of prayer, um, and, and strength from the Lord really helped me personally a lot. Um, and, you know, we worked together, you know, our staff, you know, tried to help one another through it. We were working virtually that that's not, that's not easy when you rarely are getting a chance to see people face to face and also the membership. When you're not seeing people face to face and dealing with things on Zoom, I think that emotions get a little tenser. You know, you don't really have a chance to build that rapport. And that that's one of the things that was most difficult for me. I actually did make a trip to all of our campuses in the fall, and it was all socially distanced and masked and all those things. But at least we got a chance to see people. Um, we didn't do as much travel to, to games this past year. So, yeah, I, I, I think it was just um, just one of those things that – for everybody in athletics, all the commissioners was we were on regular calls. I was on three to four commissioner calls a week, um, all sharing, benchmarking. What are you doing about this? How are you handling that? And I thought that was very helpful to me um, as a relatively new commissioner uh, to be able to get feedback on how other conferences are handling it. So I think that we, you know, kind of as a fellowship, worked together and 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 got through it. So I I, I certainly had a lot of help and and thankful for that. Jim Schaus here with us this morning up from the SoCon, hanging out on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, the commissioner of the conference here inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. You mentioned uh, Wichita State as the AD there and the AD at Ohio as well. What main components, now looking back, hindsight 2020, what did you take the most from those jobs or maybe another job that you could pull from as well to make you successful as a commissioner and and i know that's you know some people don't like talking about themselves and stay humble in it but when you look at yourself and things that you look in the mirror and say okay i feel like i'm doing this right where do you pull from from your history to be successful at the socon yeah i think everybody you know garners certain things from their past and and some of it's personal and, and some of it's professional um you know my time as an ad certainly uh, allowed me to be comfortable in knowing what higher education is like. So I, I worked for a college president for 20 years. Uh, I know what the AD's role is. So when we're talking about various things in our meetings and discussions with, with our athletic directors, I've been an athletic director, so I know what their issues are. I hired SWAs and worked with faculty athletic representatives. I hired coaches, worked with student athletes. 
uh, dealt with fans, you know, know a lot of the issues that athletics is dealing with on the campus. So I would say that's one of the most important things that, um, that, that helped me is that I, I, I walked a mile in a lot of their shoes and, and at least experienced some of the things that they experienced. And they were aware of that, that, that I had success at that level. So the people I work for now, so I think that was, that was very helpful. Um, you know, we had a lot of success at Wichita State building programs based on a lot of facilities and, you know, was able to uh, hire Mark Turgeon and Greg Marshall during my time in basketball and had a lot of, a lot of success there and had a lot of success in, 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 in football, went to nine bowl games in, in 11 years that I was there and uh, we did get to a sweet 16 um, in both schools. So had success. Um, and, and so learning how to have success is something that you can occasionally share um, but again, the, you know, certainly the, the day-to-day regimen uh, of a commissioner's job is different though. And, and, and it, it, it's taken me a little while to realize, you know, that the shared governance component, um, you know, how busy that the, the, the folks are on campus so to be respectful of that, um, and to really be organized. You know, I spent a lot of my time preparing for meetings and calls and thinking long-term structure about things that are in our purview as a conference. You know, and when you look at this this conference and what it's comprised of, you mentioned, you know, some of the schools prior to, but the Citadel, as well as East Tennessee State, Furman, Mercer, Sanford, uh, University of, of Tennessee, Chattanooga, University of North Carolina at Greensboro, uh, VMI, the Virginia Military Institute, Western Carolina, and Wofford. Uh, what can you say when, when I mention those, those 10 member schools, what does it make you think of? What's top of mind to you when you think about the institutions that comprise the SOCON? Um, great history, um, diversity institutionally and balance, um, just impressive. You know, we're a conference that in men's basketball was ninth out of 32 conferences in the RPI and 10th in the NCAA net have been around 13 the last number of years. So we're a, a national level men's basketball conference. Um, I think about, um, just the academic reputations of our institutions, um, successes that we've had in, in, in different sports, um, and the history of those schools. Uh, you got a lot of schools are all founded in, not all, but many in the 1800s, and um, just that we get along. You know, we, we're, we're unique. All of our schools go to every one of our championships, which is unique uh, in our business. So, um, yeah, it just, uh, you know, all the things that, you know, great heritage, but also even with some of the schools that haven't been in the league that long, um, just real proud uh, to be associated with them. You know, and you talk about that, you mentioned men's basketball, you know, uh, there's what I've seen in my, in my coverage of, of men's basketball at the D1 level, really at all levels, but looking at D1 across this country, UNC Greensboro, Wofford, uh, Chattanooga, ETSU, uh, Mercer. So, I mean, it's not that you have one that's just making a play inside of the NCAA tournament. There's a bunch of teams that have done it. And and what can you say to that? You know, the fact that it's not a fluke for, you know, these teams to be competitive. It's in, in the fact that what does it say about your conference that multiple teams throughout history, it's not like one team every single year is winning your conference tournament it's consistently changing and then they get into the NCAA tournament and they're not making life easy for other teams. So, you know, what, what does that mean that not only do you have representation, but that your representation is, is ever changing when we look at something like uh, division one men's basketball and, and what these teams have been able to do to, you know, strike and to not only go up against each other 
and push each other, but then to go into the NCAA tournament and to try and make a splash as well. Yeah, I would say the last five or six years has really been a resurgence of men's basketball. We've had some great coaches. I think that's a, a very important point uh, that, that has helped us uh, be successful. Um, you know, a couple of years ago when, when uh, Wofford was ranked in the top 15 nationally, uh, they won our tournament. They would have been in. We would have. Uh, they would have been in at large if they wouldn't have won our tournament. Uh, two years ago, East Tennessee State uh, won our tournament. I think they would have been uh, a likely candidate to be an at large. So, getting multiple teams in sometimes it's just been we haven't had the luck of the draw and how things have 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 worked out. But um, you know, frankly, we beat each other up a lot, and it's very difficult for mid majors to get great non-conference games instead of just having to play on the road at Duke and Kentucky. Uh, So that's a challenge. That's a great challenge for mid-majors to be successful uh, because I spent uh, several years on the men's basketball committee and you're looking for a resume that shows quality wins. So uh, we do have a lot of balance. I think we're going to have a, you know, four or five teams that could all win our league next year. I couldn't tell you who that might be. Um, So yeah, I, I, even though we had a few coaching uh, changes this last year, I think the conference has continued just to move forward, uh, continue to recruit and be excellent. Um, we just have not had a lot of national television in our package. We've kind of averaged about one or two a year in terms of just two SOCON teams against each other. And beginning next year, we'll have 13 nationally televised games where SOCON teams are playing each other. That's in addition to when our teams might be playing in non-conference games on national television. So I think that we've been great uh, reg- regardless of not having super strong national television branding. And now through ESPN and CBS Sports Network, um, we're going to have some linear television that I think will, will take us to the next level. Yeah, you know, and in, in putting that together, like you said, not having a lot of, uh, you know, television spots and opportunities, how did you evolve that? What did you do to, to really make sure that uh, the SOCON was going to be included? What did you have to put together in, in, a, in a package to sell the fact that, hey, you know what, we deserve to be on TV, we want to be carried. How did you build that in and, and you know, have that progressive movement where it wasn't just a comment or a statement that you wanted, but it was actually something that you're going to see come to fruition? You know, I think our success uh, really led the way with that, the fact that we've been highly competitive. And I think with television, knowing uh, you knowing our markets and our history, also seeing that we are one of the better uh, mid-major uh, conferences in the country in men's basketball. I think that helped us a lot. I think we were due. Um, and so I think it was a combination of those things. We've tried very hard to, you know, share our brand when we didn't have the television um, to the best of our ability. But I, I think on a national scale, uh, there's not a substitute for that, and I even though we've been we've had good rankings in terms of our performance, uh, I, I think that will help us also. And I think in that committee room, where when when uh, committee members are more familiar with us, media is more familiar with us on a national level. It's not just kind of a one-off when when Wofford has an undefeated regular season, but something that can be uh, can can really help us move up to that next level. That coming from the commissioner of the SOCON, Jim Schaus, here with us on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. Uh, Jim, before I let you go here, uh, as as we move forward, what should people know 
about you know th- this conference uh, from the annual meetings. What did you take away? Is there anything that you can you can give us here to let us know kind of maybe where you're heading, what you what you really are focused on at this point? You know, with these ten mem- member institutions and stepping forward out of the an- annual meeting, what should we know about the SOCON at this point? Well, we've uh, we've developed a strategic plan that really outlines what our priorities need to be and to continue to grow in high-profile sports like men's basketball, football, and a variety of other sports to help elevate where we are, uh, to make academics important on our campuses and also um, with our conference. You know, we have a, an undergraduate research forum. We'll have an entrepreneurship competition <clears throat> with students, not just student-athletes. So academic matter, academics matters to our conference or a unique conference with some unusual diversity in our institutions. Um, and I think that, you know, the exposure of our league uh, is going to continue to grow. And I think more people will understand the things that we know about the Southern Conference on a national scale. You know, and, and having this opportunity stepping forward for the Southern Conference, definitely looking forward to it. A hundred years, a remarkable piece of it all. And, and I know that you never get to do this as a commissioner or as an AD. So I want to offer you this. And it's uh, it's twofold here. Uh, it's called Rapid Fire on the show. It gives me the opportunity to let somebody put me on the hot seat. Commissioners and athletic directors are always being asked the questions. I would like to turn the table and, uh, Jim, give you the opportunity, either sports or life-related, literally anything. You can ask me any two questions in the world, and I have to answer them. And I might be the only person that ever lets you ask the question. So I, uh, I hand you the microphone right now and, and open it up to you to put me in a situation in rapid fire where I have to answer the questions instead of the commissioner for a couple minutes. Wow, Dan, you kind of caught me off guard there. <laughs> you know, I... I uh... Um, I, I don't know if I have anything that uh, that's uh, that, that's too too amazing for you there. Uh, are you a hamburger or a hot dog guy? You know, I've never been asked that question in 18 years of broadcasting, almost 18 years of broadcasting. So, I uh, if I had to choose, which I did have to do on Memorial Day, I would say that I'm I'm more of a hamburger guy than a hot dog guy. I'm very choosy. I you know I come from Central New York and Hyde's has like I mean our our Hoffman hot dogs and going to Hides and all that they taste better than any other place and so you know I, I I'm I'm kind of a, a snob when it comes to that I guess but I would I would choose a, a hamburger over a hot dog okay then I'm gonna be one in-depth question okay what's the most memorable moment of your life I don't think I've ever been asked this question either there's a reason why you're a commissioner I, I would say <laughs> I would say the most memorable moment of my life. Well, I think there's a couple that haven't. Other, other than this interview. Other than this one. Yeah, absolutely. I, yes. uh, other other than speaking to the Southern on their 100th anniversary, I would say that a few of them are yet to come. I always think the best is ahead of me. So, you know, uh, being being able to be a husband to someone that truly loves me and being a father, uh, those are two things that I'm sure will be on this list. But I will tell you that I'll, I'll pick two things, and they're kind of broad scope. My grandfathers passed away when I was six. They both passed away in 1992. Crazy year in my life. I realized in hindsight as an adult that there's so much music and movies that I love from 1992 that I 
never knew came out in 1992 because I wasn't paying attention. Uh, so I would say every moment I spent with my grandfathers, because I only had six years here on earth and you're a man of faith and I respect and I love and appreciate that, uh, you know, because I am a strong person of faith as well. And I believe that I will see them again and my job is to get back there. So I would say any moment with them is the most memorable. And I would say living with my grandmother when uh, when she needed some help, I moved in with her for two years and she's the best roommate I ever had. So I would definitely uh, say that my time with my grandparents is extremely important. My other grandmother as well, uh, being able to just love her up and see her smile. So I would probably say my time with my grandparents because I I know what it's like to not physically have them here. And so I think anybody who has grandparents really needs to call them and appreciate them and just love them and, and spend as much time with them as they possibly can. That sounds like good answers when you're talking about the importance of family. Uh, things come and go. Life is short. So it sounds like you've uh, you've answered well. Uh, coming from Jim Schaus. You didn't know that you were going to get to ask the questions, but I, no. I love the questions that you asked. And Jim, I know this is the first time we've spoken on the show, but as we've opened up to the uh, Southern Conference here and your rich history and, and moving forward, I would love the opportunity to have you back on if you'd like to come back. Sure. Sounds great. Absolutely. I'll be ready for those next two questions, maybe. All right. Fair enough. And, and, and I appreciate everything that you're doing there. And, and obviously, God bless as always. I hope you stay safe and I look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it very much. You have a great day.